Hey, everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, humans have conflict in relationships. Humans have conflict with family members. Humans have conflict with total strangers. And we have conflict at work, which may be the scariest of all kinds of conflict because that one can get us fired. And if it doesn't, we still have to see these people eight hours a day. How to have a little peace amidst the conflict at work? That's up next on the Matt Townsend Show. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. NSA leaker Edward Snowden's options for asylum continue to dwindle as several more countries have now denied his requests for various reasons. U.S. officials have warned sheltering Snowden would be a mistake. As an official investigation continues to try and find out exactly what caused the death of 19 firefighters over the weekend, officials now suspect the men lacked a proper escape route when strong winds and dry fuel allowed the fire that killed them to grow very rapidly. Despite the tragedy, firefighters are now anxiously awaiting a break in the weather to gain the upper hand against the Arizona fire, which continues to burn. As of last night, the blaze had consumed 8,400 acres and was 0% contained. A Florida medical examiner called injuries George Zimmerman sustained as a result of the fight he ended by killing teen Trayvon Martin insignificant. The former Neighborhood Watch captain says he shot Martin out of fear for his life. Portions of a new concealed carry bill in Illinois are being vetoed by Governor Pat Quinn. The measure will no longer allow people to carry more than one firearm, carry in some places which serve alcohol, or carry a partially exposed firearm. In world news, Egypt's military leaders are planning for a post-Mohammed Morsi government as the 48-hour deadline given to the highly criticized president draws closer. Egypt's army plans to suspend the nation's constitution and dissolve the parliament if Morsi will not give up some powers. The late Pope John Paul II moved another step closer to sainthood today as the healing of a Costa Rican woman in 2011 is being attributed to him. This is the second time Catholic cardinals and bishops have credited John Paul II with a miracle since his death. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, kiddos. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your conflict management expert. Today, we're talking conflict management, and I'm looking at Skyboy because we're taking it on today, Skyboy, you and I. We're going to fight over that parking place that you keep stealing of mine. Bring it on. Uh, A, the parking lot is for automobiles, not bicycles. Get your my, bike out of my, my parking My bicycle stall. has a motor on it, though. I rigged it up, so it's pretty hard. it hardcore. doesn't deserve its own space. Okay, let's be really clear here, Skyboy. By attaching your, uh, a, a playing card... Does it sound like a motor? The, ...to your bike with a clothespin does not make it a motor or an engine. If you couldn't see it but just heard it... Yeah. What would you think it was? I think, holy cow, that young man is living his childhood over again. I think you just need to get your ears checked. Well, that's true. And um, it's not, you don't park in my car. Don't park in my parking space. That's all I got to say. You didn't even know it was mine because it doesn't say my name on it. But that's my favorite space right next to Rob's car. How about we settle this afterwards outside in the parking lot? Okay. We'll determine who gets I'll meet the you by spot. the flagpole. Okay. The BYU flagpole. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Does, does it count as a workplace conflict if it's outside of the workplace? We can fight inside. I don't think it counts anymore. The thing is, I'm afraid of Skyboy because he's bad to the bone. <laughs> this guy can take a hit. <laughs> My bike's pretty hardcore. <laughs> it is hardcore. And I like the nail polish, um, how you paint your, your little scratches with nail polish. That's cute. That's what I used to do. <laughs> and then um, do you remember when you were a kid, by the way, not to digress, but did you guys ever turn your bikes over and make like an ice cream stand? And crank your bike, and, and the wheels wondered, would run, and you drop grass on it, and it you pretend like you were like building something with your. Well, and I don't bike. understand why is it naturally an ice cream machine? It's it an upside a, down wheel. Well, but what else could it be? Well, what else would you want it to be? I don't know. A pasta maker? Come on, you're a kid. You want ice cream? I would have never done that when I was a child, mostly did, because. Did you have a bike? Uh, I did. Did I ride it? Obviously not. <laughs> uh, Mostly because I had things like video games. So the idea of, of playing outside in the sunlight seems <laughs> You're like antiquated. one of those kids. You're allergic to the sunlight. Yeah. You're, and you the grass. Out. And the grass. And the mosquitoes. I also grew up in the deep south yeah, where it was just mosquitoes yeah. and gnats and it's no. 105 degrees. It's 100% See, humidity. you never had the yeah. joy of making ice cream with your bike. I know people out there have done that. Skyboy, don't shake your head. I've never heard of this in my life. How do you make ice cream? As a kid, you never just flipped your bike over and then cranked the wheel. It's an ice cream machine. And then you would pour like grass on it or water, and your bike would just. Skyler was was like a machine. Skyler was too busy sneaking out of his parents' house to (laughs) to make ice cream. So, man, Merritt, you did it. You were in Idaho. Come on. I didn't make ice cream with my bike. Well, you know, we weren't making real ice cream. No, but I I didn't even make fake ice cream. You guys are messed. Really. I don't even know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm how still does this, confused. How does this... Oh, I know why. You have the Fisher-Price tricycle, and you're like three or four years old, and you're old enough that you've done everything you can do with the wheels on the ground. <laughs> yeah. So now you got to think, well, what's the next logical step? If I flip it upside down, I could still sit on it. I can turn the pedals with my hand, and there's a yeah. spinning plastic yeah. wheel, and it's, it's, it's was, an I, ice cream I machine. I did it until I was 20. <laughs> But th- I know I now know why because you all had you didn't have to use your mind to be creative as a child. You had games. You had my kids have iPads. They can't think we about also, an we iPad. We also had friends. So we so. had friends. We would do it as friends. We'd gather around. <laughs> really? You guys didn't have that joy. Did you ever just go out and play in the yard? I actually, in all honesty, did. I just never did that. Well, you couldn't That's go out. Very, yeah, I, I understand never. the South. That would be hard. No, I used to go explore the woods. We had a swamp next to our house. I used to go explore really? the swamp. Do you ever do, go gator hunting? Um, no, hunting? No. Have you seen I, those things? I but hunt, they were I, they were all, they were actually in our property. I mean, they. I they want were to hunt a gator. There's a couple of Discovery Channel shows about I that. I know. That's what you should. I want get to take on. Skyboy though. I need some bait. <laughs> we're gonna call you Bait Boy. Let's hey, do it. Sky, go over there by that gator. Tickle him. Tickle him. No, we don't have – Sky and I act like we have conflict. We don't. Okay? Ever since the court hearing, Sky and I know that we like each other. We're friends. It's actually legislated that way. Yeah. Legally, he's not allowed within 30 feet. And um, we're good friends. But some people, Sky, have conflict at work and they can't get over it. Like – Everyone else with you. More like you and Sam McCall. Me and Sam McCall. Before the news. Yeah, but don't tell him. We got in a little – because I'm wearing a tie. I'm all dressed up today. <laughs> and Sam's wearing a – was that a T-shirt? Can we wear T-shirts here? <laughs> Skyboy. I'm wearing one. I always thought it had to be a collared shirt. I wanted to look good for management. I'm sporting a tie. Suck up. 
True. <laughs> True that. So apparently, not only is the economy bad, we also well, – there's conflict. There's always conflict in life. There's conflict in our you know work. People say stuff. People are offended. People take your parking place. Rob would be mad as ever if he knew how close I just parked to his car. And he what? Wa- he just washed it. And say, I purposely bought a small car so nobody would ding me. I didn't ding you. Then it takes you. less space than the space. You know? I like that you left your windows down, though, because I may have left you a surprise. No! Yeah, I may have. You'll see. I wonder what a half-eaten McDonald's hamburger smells oh. like after about four hours and 105 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. It actually probably doesn't smell that much worse than it normally does. It so. does. Except Rob's car probably smells good. I, I, I don't allow eating in the new car. I know that's no, right. I meant I the McDonald's hamburger probably doesn't smell Oh, no, smell that, that's just, that, yeah, it just dries out. Poor McDonald's McDonald's hamburgers. doesn't rot, so it's actually, of, of all the places, that's probably it's the best one to toss in. fallout. Conflict. Do you guys ever have conflict at work? Now, I know we're just going to talk hypothetically because your work is this right station. Now. Yeah, well, it is for now anyway. Um, conflict. You ever run into something and you just don't, you know, oh, that person. And that person may be your boss. So you can't say anything because if you say something, you could lose your job. If you don't say something, you're just going to be angry. How do, you, how do you get over that? What do you do? HR. HR. I just answered my question. HR. Tell, on, tell HR. And then HR comes around and they tell your boss, and then your boss is like, "We got to talk. Get in here." Then what do you do? Look for looking. a new job. Well, I see how many sick days you have, and then take some vacation. Start using them up. You guys see those are all like avoidant. You're flighting. See, our generation though wants to do this all by social media. That's right? true. That we all want to go on Twitter and tweet about our problems. <laughs> but the problem is that now workplaces are monitoring that. Yep. So we have nowhere to go. You have nowhere to go. In fact, I was looking up there. There's a couple of studies, one done by the University of Maryland, that show that our generation, college kids, yeah. um, actually often use social media as a form of stress relief and like a, uh, an outlet for their right. stress. Oh, wow. And then, in fact, if they can't outlet stress through social media, they actually get more stress. That it causes anxiety. So um, you guys tense. are trapped. So you're right. tense. And, and then you if can't you go to work and you're already stressed about work, but then you can't go and tweet about work because mm. your boss is following you on Twitter. Yeah. Then you're like doubly stressed because then you yeah. can't uh, tweet about your stress, which gives you more even more stressed. Holy cow. So it's a never-ending cycle for our generation. Okay, you know the answer? Take your bicycle, flip it over. On Make ice cream. Top. Make ice cream. Mm-hmm. Most calming thing you'll ever see. Look what it did to me. <laughs> Why are you laughing? You're all rude. <laughs> you're rude. Um, that's a big deal because I wasn't raised needing social media, so I would just go to the, see the old school was water cooler. Mm-hmm. You go to the water cooler and you vent. Do you guys not do that? We don't have a water cooler in the building, so it'd be nice if we did. Drinking fountains. Hint, hint. There's drinking fountains. That's, <laughs> that would be today's water cooler. The cool people don't hang out by the drinking fountain. They don't? So you can't go to the drinking fountain because they don't exist. You can't do social media because people are watching you. Do you I go home and just tell my wife and we we just talk. Yeah, but most of us are going to live we currently live and we'll probably die alone so <laughs> we don't have that we don't have that luxury either so you have no way of dealing with your conflict no hmm write about it like little emo poetry books maybe i don't know that's it one way is an emo Merit, poetry Merit, Merit goes home and writes poetry after after the show does. and she's frustrated you know i know what merit does merit put merit casts spells on people and archery uh-huh. She goes and practices her archery on her targets, and then she she does a spell from Harry Potter 
And then the next day, the guy shows up with something growing from his face. I was going to say, you should see the posters I have in my house and all the little air holes in them. (laughs) Have you been shooting? Do you have one about us? I just, I am going to choose not to disclose that. Yeah, okay. (laughs) It's It's a pleading of fifth. (laughs) Man, this is sad. I wish maybe I should start that. That might be a good, good practice. You know what I did last night to get rid of my stress? I went and played tennis. That, it was really yeah. fun with my son. We went and played tennis. And I, I don't mean to brag, but pretty good. You're pretty good or he's pretty good? I'm pretty good. <laughs> uh, he's now. I'm teaching him. <laughs> I can't move my feet because I have plantar fasciitis now. And now I feel like I need a wheelchair to come into the workplace today. <laughs> I have that too. It's not fun. It's not fun. I mean, literally, I got up this morning and I'm like, whoa, I can't walk. I had to scoot to the bathroom. <laughs> Do you know how embarrassing it is to scoot to the bathroom? Honey, get the wheelchair. You all right, Matt? I'm fine. Just scooting. Can't feel my feet because I played tennis last night. (laughs) I'm pathetic. Uh, Conflict. Do you guys have conflict in your workplace? Do you have conflict with a boss and you don't know what to say? It's so today our boss came in. Don walks into our meeting. And he's probably not listening. But when Don (laughs) walks into the meeting, it gets all quiet. And I'm like, man, all these people have so much conflict with Don. (laughs) Um, but they really don't, but it's intense cause he's the boss. And so the boss comes in, it's like, oh boy, party's over, but it's not, he's just coming to hang out with the cool people. That's what they tell us, <laughs> but I think he's lying, but it is, you guys get all quiet. Do you guys notice that? I'm shooting it straight right there. Did you see that? I threw you right under the bus. Well, and the, the, the hierarchy changes too, or, uh, I worked for many years with Marcus who hosts the morning show. Yeah. And he was just a producer and I was a student employee and we were buddy-buddy. And then he got promoted and we're still kind of buddy-buddy. But it's, it's it different now it. because he has the power yeah. to fire me. So it, it, I don't know. It just That's it a big changes, deal, isn't it? That's know? an interesting thing with conflict because the hierarchy does matter. Some of us don't play up well. Some don't play down well. Meaning so if I'm a boss, I may not manage my peeps very well. Or I may be too aggressive with them. But some not calling are, them peeps is probably your first mistake. Yeah, my, uh, <laughs> my team. But then um, we also may – some people really suck up well. So they suck up, but they don't – I don't know what the opposite of suck up is. Suck down doesn't work. Handle those on a lower level yeah. of hierarchy. But then there's the peer. So, I mean, it's interesting. So one of the things about our conflict is it might be easier to have conflict with your subordinate than your superior at work, your boss. Anyway, that's a huge issue. Hmm. You guys don't have to be afraid of Don. I know him. He's a good man. <laughs> he, he's going to be in here. I know he is. Okay, when he comes it's in, let's just how get fast quiet. he got from his office to outside our studio door. By the way, if all of a sudden we go silent on the microphone, it's because Don walked in. <laughs> but don't say anything. Um, so conflict's huge. And then what we tend to do, the most common pattern of conflict, once we kind of get a little nervous and freaked out, we either become fighters or we become flighters. And fighters at work is kind of scary because that's, like, not socially acceptable. So flighting becomes more socially acceptable. So we just kind of don't say anything. And then you guys can't social media. You can't do anything. So then what do you do? How do we solve this? Hide in the bathroom. Yeah, but, you know, eventually (laughs) you got to (laughs) leave. I've tried to hide in the bathroom. There's only one stall. There's Wi-Fi in there, though, so. Is there? (laughs) (laughs) I spent a week there one day. Um So, by the way, all of this ends up costing us because then it ends up costing – we have higher turnover. If everyone's afraid at work, you're probably – 
setting yourself up. If you have conflict in the back of your head and you don't dare say anything about it, it's probably going to cost you. hate to say that. But uh, you're not going to probably be – you won't be as productive. You're going to inevitably um, probably maybe – what's it called? Uh, Absenteeism. Uh Uh-oh. Here he is. (laughs) Hi, Don. Don just joined us. Don, (laughs) welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Our boss, Don Shaline. How are you? What's going on in here? (laughs) Have you noticed? Did you notice that when you walked into our meeting, everyone went quiet? Yeah, I always notice that. It's a tense moment. They're like, "Quit talking, Don's here." (laughs) Don, we're trying to figure out how to do your comments. We're always we're always scared. It's about the, the previous day's show. Yeah. Hey, can we talk about yesterday? Yeah. Uh, I'd like to review what uh, the past 30 minutes of The funny thing airtime. is we can't even remember the past 30 minutes, Don. What, uh, okay, what do you have to say? We don't need Nothing. to be afraid of you. I just heard your radio show, and I want to be part of it because you guys are the cool guys. See? <laughs> I told you guys. That's what Don always tells us. You guys are the cool guys. So, Don, we don't need to be afraid of you. No. If we have a conflict, we should say something. Absolutely. Skyboy, talk to him. <laughs> Tell him about your problems, Sky. Tell me all about Tell Matt. Tell him what you remember what you were telling me in the bathroom about Don? Uh, Matt's been stealing my parking spot. Matt, oh, geez. Matt, would you stop it? <laughs> okay, Don, will you tell him we don't have parking spots? Uh, Skyler, we don't have uh, parking spots. I've been why par- am I talking to him? You can <laughs> talk to him. See, this is why we need you, Don. Yeah. But this is, this is, this is symptomatic of the world. Everyone's yeah. afraid of their boss. It, it's, it really is true. It, it's a, a weird thing that if you get called to a position or you know appointed to a position – Things change. They totally do. Yeah. Suddenly, it's kind of like your head gets big. What What do you mean by that? What? Yeah. You know, you, you, you yeah. can't just say what you normally say because suddenly it has carries different. Like you used to before you got this job. You used to be really fun. You take us to I dinner. Did. Yeah. <laughs> I had hair. Yeah. Hair. <laughs> yeah. And now look at you. You're losing your hair, and yeah. you haven't taken us to dinner once. No, not yet. Um, I'm free tomorrow that, night. Are you? Yeah. yeah. What do you like? I'm thinking pizza. Pizza. Yeah. We can play tennis. <laughs> and eat pizza? And, we, and eat pizza mm-hmm. if Sky will rub my feet because they're killing me. <laughs> With pizza. Well, okay. Don, we love you. Well, You're thanks. great. You I'm guys are you, fun. I knew you'd come in. That, see, that was my subtle call to Don. Yeah. And it's Anytime funny Matt he, calls, I come in. He actually <laughs> listens to the show. Anytime we talk bad about old people. <laughs> that do. Or Matt'll do, young man. <laughs> and you're not even old, but you like feel like you have to represent. I yeah, understand. Because yeah, yeah. I'm old. They're all like a bunch of punks. Yeah. Well, they we, keep us young. We love them. Carry on, guys. Thanks, uh, I'm Don. sorry I interrupted. No, that's okay. You're the best. You're the man. Uh-huh. Keep it up. Okay. Stay happy. Look, I'll be listening. See you at dinner tomorrow. <laughs> See how that works? He's gone. Okay, you guys can relax now. You guys weren't even talking. You were just laughing really hard. <laughs> it was nervous laughter. He's a good man. And uh, he's just a boss. Come on. What's the worst thing he could do? Huh? Conflict, folks doesn't have to kill us. We can get through it. We're going to be talking about conflict in the workplace all through the show today. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Will space probes of the future be built in factories? Or will we just print them out in disposable fleets of hundreds? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. NASA's Innovative Advanced Concepts Program, called NIAC, seeks to stimulate and fund radical new space exploration concepts. And JPL in Pasadena has a few. One cutting-edge concept is an extension of printing out electronic circuits for various electronic devices, like RFID tags. The team at JPL thinks it might be possible to use inkjet-like printing techniques to build up paper-thin, 
flat space probes using many layers containing all the basic circuits, systems, and sensors of a working space probe. What's intriguing about this is that flat probes could do their explorations in exciting new ways. You could cheaply mass-produce hundreds of tiny probes to fit in the space of one traditional machine. They could spread out over wide areas in space yet act as one device. They could flutter down through a planet's atmosphere like autumn leaves, gathering data as winds scatter them, then make a soft landing without rockets or parachutes. Printed circuitry on a solar sail or atmospheric balloon could make the entire flying surface into a sensor or processor. So far, it looks good on paper. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Tonight, BYU TV brings you unsolved mysteries and critical monkeys. First, kick back to 1962 in Granite Flats, where Frank desperately asks for Beth's help and Herschel gets unexpected visitors in prison. Watch as an aspiring young man tries to make it big in the world of TV. His accomplice? A talented chimp with a knack for recognizing good TV shows. Watch The Barefoot Executive. Solve the mystery and trust the monkey. Tonight on BYU TV. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, We today are talking about conflict at work. How do you handle conflict? You know, on the show, we've talked about conflict in your marriage and conflict even with your own fears, your own concerns. Today, we're taking it to the workplace. When you have an issue with someone at work, what are you supposed to do? We're going to be bringing on in a few minutes uh, Victor Lippman, who has spent 25 years working uh, in a wide variety of management roles for Fortune 500 companies. He's going to help us with conflict resolution. But before we do, maybe to handle the conflict, take the conflict aside, maybe if you had really good relationships at work, things might be different. So our own Merit Meekum has just put together seven. She read an article. Let's, what, what was the article from? The article's from thedailymuse.com. The Daily Muse, yeah. seven people you should befriend at work. Yeah. So this okay. is like str- strategizing your friendships, basically. Strategery of friendships. But then if you're strategizing your friendships, does that make them real? No. Probably not. But it it's, doesn't It should matter. more be like seven people you should be nice to so you can take advantage of. Yeah. It's yeah. high-level It's high level manipulation. Yeah. Fair enough. Go. I mean, it sounds bad, but it's not. Who are these seven people okay. we all need to know? Number one is the human snack machine. Really? Yeah. The no. person who always seems to have food at their desk. Yes. Now, interestingly, I see that being a woman a lot of times. Like kind of a matronly, motherly, caregiving, here's the candy, come see me. Definitely, yeah. A cookie jar. Like Skyboy's never once brought or provided a snack for the group. Well, I have bought you vending machine food at least twice. Didn't I compensate you? Did no, I pay you back? you never compensated me. You never even took me out to dinner when you took the rest of the group out. That's right. Well, <laughs> sorry. Still not going to do it. I mean, well, you were actually out of town. Yeah, but I thought you might make it up. No. I was I was really hoping you'd no. make it up. Be but time. you actually just forgot about it until Be now. Be here when we have our parties. We have our parties twice <laughs> annually. Be here or starve. Not to be rude. 
How did we get there? That was just a total <laughs> distraction. The human snack machine. So that's the person that's always got food by their... Always has food. So you can, you know, if you're just dying one day, you yeah. can run over to them and strike up a conversation <laughs> instead of going to the vending machine. That's cute. Yeah. Okay. You got to know that one. Yeah. The next one is the socialite, the person who always seems to be coordinating parties the outside party. of the office. Yes. Like, hey, we're going here. We're yeah. like, they just had that. Somebody came up. Are you guys going um, laser... Gun, what's it called? Laser, laser, laser tag. tag. Laser tag. My team, 2-0. and oh, Yeah. And work laser tag. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> didn't you blind a girl playing laser tag? That, look, that was actually, that was on last week's show. We talked about that. Yeah, you I did blinded hit a girl her. in the face playing laser tag once with a, yeah. with a laser tag gun. I apologized to her well, yeah. profusely. Well, yeah. It was apologize a to her sorry. ophthalmologist. <laughs> Keep going. The next one is your personal IT guru. The person who oh, can huge. always fix your computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you yeah. kind of have to – I've noticed you just got to fake dumb sometimes. Like, oh, I don't know how to do that. How do you do that? And then they're like, well, let me show you, little pal. The cool thing is here I like can just put my – I'm like, I don't know. And then like three people come over. I Shout need, out to Lynn Edwards. Yeah, I, Lynn and um, I, I need one. I need a personal IT person just that lives with me. Well, Matt, you have – yeah, you have special needs with your MacBook. Uh, you have no idea. <laughs> Okay, keep going. The next one is the older sibling, kind of a mentor, somebody who you don't yeah. feel afraid asking questions. Which is a great place to go say, I have a conflict. Yeah. Who should like, I, how should I, how should I this? handle this? Yeah, they're That's a good a person good to know. A big brother. Yeah. How cute is that? Do you all have a big brother? I'll be your big brother. I am the oldest in my family, so I am the big well, brother. Well, no, it works. I'll be your big brother. I'll protect you from Don. <laughs> Don's now in the car driving this. <laughs> he can't come back. And don't answer the phone. <laughs> okay, so we need a big brother. What else do we need? The next one is called the selfless volunteer. So the person who's always willing to help you out. So if you're like, dang it, I'm half yeah. an hour away from a deadline. Can you help Oh, me wait, I can ask this person and they'll help That'll you help you look good, make sure you're not. Yeah. yeah also call good. just the person who doesn't have anything else better to do. Yeah. yeah. But like, that, oh, I mean, because they don't have to. Familiar. A lot of other people are like, I'm not helping you. Yeah. That's rude. Those yeah. are the non. Those are the selfish volun- non volunteers. Okay. <laughs> Number six is the encourager, the person mm. who will just always be on your team. That's cool. You know, like, do we? You can do it. Who's our encourager? Yeah, uh, uh, Madison used to do that every time she before did. the show. She used to encourage me. And I've all I've, I know. Now we just make fun of you. I, know. <laughs> I just tell you why. I why are you miss doing Madison? <laughs> now I just get discouragement. <laughs> anyway, I'm fine. <laughs> What else? Who's, one more, right? The next one is the helpless newbie. I love that one. Yeah. So it's like you can be a mentor. You can make them do stuff for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. That one's great. Hey, I think newbie. I may have been that person. You were, but some... you lost that title very quickly. It's because I have lots of power. We all were yeah. that person at some point, right? At some job. We were all the new person. Well, who, some people still like, are. like, hey, you're new, right? Here, let me show you how to do this. And by showing you how to do this, it means do this thing for me that yeah. I don't want to do. Hey, yeah. pal. You can't even remember the name. <laughs> hey, buddy. Yeah. Can hey. You, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> I need your help. We're all excited. <laughs> Can somebody go get me some drink or some water? You've a great opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Can you transcribe this entire recording? Um, so those are good. The human snack yeah. machine. That way you're always full. Yes. Socialite. So you're always active and involved. The IT guru. Huge. The older sibling. That would be me, I feel like. The selfless volunteer. Don't know who that is. <laughs> the encourager. I think Merit's an encourager. I can encourage. I can, I can validate. I'm really good at validating people. And the helpless newbie. No, I'll tell you, by the way, who the snack machine is, is Rob. 
It's true. But it's always just a bag senses. of chips, and then he'll only let you. Like, no, it was a bag of flattened bananas from Trader Joe's. <laughs> yeah, where yeah. See, it's like chips show, so. really? or dried fruit. Yeah, but that's not good. He did have marshmallows once. Yeah, well, that was pretty good. That was a big deal. <laughs> that took coordinating I through know. like five different people to get those. And where are they now? They got eaten. Man, we bought them for a reason. <laughs> it was to keep the newbie <laughs> awake while he's on the board. Even though Skyboy's been here the longest. But you're still our newbie. Has he been here longer than you, Ben? Skyboy? At, at where? Here in the board. In at BYU Broadcasting, uh-huh. at BYU Radio. I've been here significantly longer than Have Skyboy. you been here longer than Colonel Sanders? No. Rob's been here the longest probably. That's why he's us. called Colonel. That's right. He's the Colonel. Also, his last name is Sanders, and it just kind of goes And he loves it. chicken. But he can't eat it. Or can he? <laughs> <laughs> He always buys the rotisserie chicken. Oh, that's right. And then he like eats it for a week and then gets it. <laughs> you know what? Uh, our life is just one big story. It's the same story. It just gets replayed every week. We are pathetic. Well, okay. Well, we're going to take a break. Come back. We're going to talk to Victor Lippman. Thanks, Merritt. Seven no things that, you know, seven people you got to know. We're going to talk to Victor Lippman, and he's going to walk us through how to uh, manage conflict at work. He's the president of Howling Wolf Management Training. And he offers management and training and executive coaching. We're going to come back. Get ready to learn how to handle your conflict. Call your uh, friends and neighbors. Get them ready to listen. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. On Thinking Aloud, you can hear host Marcus Smith talk with guests about a variety of topics. The subjects can range from superheroes to religion, sometimes even in the same conversation. One of the things that I have learned through studying superheroes and thinking about superheroes is that genuine spirituality is actually harder to do than a certain kind of orthodox religiosity. Join us for Thinking Aloud at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. After seeking asylum in over 21 nations, NSA leaker Edward Snowden remains in a Moscow airport. So far, only Venezuela and Bolivia have responded favorably to Snowden's requests. U.S. and Russian leaders are supposedly slated to discuss the leaker soon. As an official investigation continues to try and find out exactly what caused the deaths of 19 firefighters over the weekend, officials now suspect the men lacked a proper escape route when strong winds and dry fuel allowed the fire that killed them to grow very rapidly. Despite the tragedy, firefighters are now anxiously awaiting a break in the weather to gain the upper hand against the Arizona fire which continues to burn. As of last night, the blaze had consumed 8,400 acres and was 0% contained. George Zimmerman's injuries were medically insignificant, according to a Florida medical examiner who testified at Zimmerman's murder trial today. The former Neighborhood Watch captain says he feared for his life before he shot and killed teen Trayvon Martin. Portions of a new concealed carry bill in Illinois are being vetoed by Governor Pat Quinn. The measure will no longer allow people to carry more than one firearm, carry in some places which serve alcohol, or carry a partially exposed firearm. In world news... Egypt's military leaders are planning for a post-Mohamed Morsi government as the 48-hour deadline given to the highly criticized president draws closer. Egypt's army plans to suspend the nation's constitution and dissolve the parliament if Morsi will not give up some powers. 
The late Pope John Paul II will likely be remembered as St. John Paul II by the end of the year after the Catholic cardinals and bishops agreed to attribute a 2011 healing of a Costa Rican woman to the late Catholic leader. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are talking about conflict management at work. We're trying to help Skyboy work through his trials, his struggles. If you take me out to dinner, all our conflicts will be resolved. I'll take you out when Don takes me out. Okay. Work down the chain. You have your people call my people. and I'll tell Merritt, Termine Ben, Termine Rob. Yeah, and so on, and yeah, so on. Yeah, We don't have conflict. Mm. Well, what? <laughs> no, we don't. That, what was that squeak thing? I was, I was uh, being sarcastic. Okay. Don't let that happen. You're my, you're my best friend. Matt. So I just try to create some conflict. <laughs> Am I your best friend? You're my best friend. Am I your only friend? Uh, I think I've got another, but he lives in Chicago now. And he called. Really talk. He called. Oh, see? So we're, uh, we're not still friends, friends anymore. No, oh. He said not friends. So he, he wanted me to know that so that I'd pick up my game with you. Probably wasn't the best idea to bring that out on the radio. Oh. Kind of hurts. Sorry. Uh, again, we'll deal with that with Victor Lippman. Uh, we've got our guest joining us now, Victor Lippman. Uh, Victor's got some pretty interesting stuff, I think, that uh, we all need. Victor is a he's worked for 25 years in a wide variety of management roles for a Fortune 500 company. He currently writes regularly about management for Forbes and Psychology Today. He is the president of Howling Wolf Management Training, which offers management training and executive coaching. He's been interested in this field, just of management, but also he's got some great insight into conflict management. Victor, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, thank you very much, Matt. Pleased to be here. Good to have you. And I mean, conflict is kind of universal, right, in human living. And so we wouldn't, we shouldn't expect it not to exist at work. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think that, um, as you say, it's it's just it's another aspect of life, and in fact, there are plenty of things in the work environment that tend to cause conflict. Uh, could be that are very emotional things. Sometimes could be compensation, could be recognition, performance-based issues, relationships with other employees, relationships with teams. There's no shortage of conflict opportunities in the work environment. Well, and then it's it's even it's also so there's compensation for me personally and then I find out my coworker makes more than me. Ab- absolutely. Um, game on. It's no completely true. These are very emotional topics. They're topics that mean a great deal to individuals you're very invested in and it, it's very easy for for people to get upset about these things. So that's that's very common, and it's management's role to to have to deal with these issues, these problems in a, in a constructive manner. It's it's interesting. Do do, do you feel like? Because I know historically, uh, in corporate America, this conflict resolution stuff is kind of seen as the squishy soft skills. This uh, the soft stuff that you know. Come on. Not not worth always fighting for, working on, and, and taking care of. But it seems like more and more corporate America seeing the value of 
some of these softer skills of communicating. And I think that's definitely true. I think that even though the skills are somewhat, quote-unquote, soft, they're still essential oh, yeah. for having people get along with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's really what a lot of management is, as well as, as getting the results you, you need out, out of your workforce. Yeah, that's one of the big things I teach I, when I do a speech is with a company. Even though we have a conflict, the conflict, like you were saying, is between two people, two emotional beings whose feelings have been hurt, whose fear is engaged. And so the job of a really good manager is being able to take two people and help manage those emotions. Yeah, and one no, that's absolutely true. And, and one thing about management is that you you can't be a conflict avoider right be an effective manager you really have to be able to deal with it most people it's the rare individual who i think really gravitates toward it it is totally at home in that environment but most people would prefer to avoid conflict if they could but in management you just have to realize that that's that's what you're getting paid for that's a key part of the job and you really have to look at resolving things constructively. Huge. What uh, What would you say, what are some suggestions you have for any of us that are sitting out there and we have a conflict with a manager or a coworker? How do we, what do we do to start to resolve some? Sure. For, first of all, I would say, I always tell people, accept the inevitability of conflict in management. Don't waste time uh, ruminating about it or being upset about it. Just assume it's going to happen and get in a mindset that you have to deal with it. When you're actually confronted by conflict, the first thing that I really focus on is, and I sort of could could, um, uh, talk about this from my own career as well, because it was definitely the way I would try to avoid things, is stay calm, even if you have to force yourself to stay calm. You don't want to, as, as management, you should be the voice of reason, the voice of authority, and you don't want to get dragged into the, the muck and mire and the fray. Maintain the moral high ground in that in that situation. Yeah, it seems like if all of a sudden you're blowing up, freaking out, and losing your cool, you're you're setting you're creating the tension that they then now have to react to. The more you react, the more they have to react to your reaction. And so yeah, that, that, that becomes the explosion. Could, to use a cliche, you could win the war or win the battle and lose the war. It might feel good at the moment blowing up at someone and pulling rank, but it's not going to feel good afterwards. The person you did that to will remember it, and it will not be a a, a positive experience for either of you in the long run. Right. That's uh, interesting. I guess that's the big regret we all have is when we we lose our cool. It seems like uh, maybe at home we feel like that's a little easier. It's not okay. It just, you know, we're not going to get fired for it. But at work, yeah. you it, lose your cool. It's really not okay in the work environment from a management standpoint. Right. But it's a big, big mistake if you do it. In, in terms of just a few other suggestions that yeah. I think would be helpful to managers out there, I'm a big advocate in partnering with human resources, HR, even though they're oftentimes in Hollywood lore, the butt of jokes as Toby on the office and, and things like that, seen as obstructionist and meddling and, and whatnot. Um, I found HR of tremendous value to me over the years in providing a sounding board and objective perspective and also keeping you on the straight and narrow in terms of legal risk. 
So, like, do you use them as a manager, Victor? So, if I'm a a manager trying to deal with an employee, I should talk to him. But you're also saying, as an employee, if you feel like there's a problem, you go talk to HR and then let them kind of coach you through it. Either, yeah, no, that's absolutely true. They could they could work with HR could be a valuable resource from either perspective. They certainly could be very valuable from a management perspective, but so too from from an employee perspective, a good HR operation will be um, will be someone who you can talk to, you can give your grievance, you can explain your side of the situation, and hopefully, again, HR operations do vary, do vary depending on the size and sophistication, but a good HR operation that is well-staffed with experienced people can be a great source of, of value. And that's not, um, this sounds like a childish thing, that's not tattle-telling. I mean, that's not, you're not going to turn them in to tattle on them. You're, you're just trying to go to really the source of human resources, the source right, of the, right. the, the person that's trained and educated to handle this. To be able to help handle that kind of conflict resolution. Now, depending on the situation, it could be a tattling situation, and I'm not advocating that, but they can certainly uh, play a very constructive role in, in helping to uh, resolve conflict. That's huge. Do you think, I mean, not all conflict's bad either, is it? No, not, not at all. I mean, it, it can be difficult. It can be problematic. There's no question about that. But on the other hand, as in any relationship, and these work situations are just relationships in an organizational setting, it is a way of, of airing out problems, of bringing problems to the fore. And oftentimes, if you just brush things under the rug, they fester, they get worse. Whereas if you resolve it, there at least is the chance for what I would call constructive resolution. You know, don't think about winning from a management standpoint, but constructively resolving. So I, I definitely I definitely think that the conflict can can be positive, depend, again, depending on how it's handled. Yeah. And once you've succeeded to handle one issue of conflict and you do it well as a team or as a partnership or as people in your organization, it seems like it just becomes generative. You can now do it maybe a little easier the next time, the next time, and that seems like how we build a team. Yeah, no, exactly. You want to have a kind of systematic approach for how you handle the conflict in terms of being being calm, maintaining the moral high ground, et cetera, et cetera, not going off half-cocked and, and really taking a rational approach to it. The only other point that I didn't mention, just quickly mention, that is very important from a management standpoint, is documenting thoroughly when serious conflict occurs. You don't have to write down every little tiny detail. But when something substantive does occur, you really do want to have, from a management standpoint, a good, solid record of that so that whether you need it at per, during performance appraisals or if it ever uh, comes time to uh, terminate an employee or whether you just want it for, to be able to talk about that employee's own development, documentation is, is always an important element. Yeah, that's, and it, that takes a lot of discipline. And in a way, that's probably where a lot of this breaks down because instead it's just my interpretation. Like you're not trying hard. But yeah. you need more than just a statement, right? You need some documentation that someone's not it, trying it's hard. It's the easiest thing in the world for situations to devolve, if that's the word, dissolve into a he said, she said type of situation come evaluation time. 
which is which is why when you're referring to events that might have happened two, three, six months earlier, it really is critical to have things written down. Yeah. I think that's powerful, especially to know your numbers. I mean, know what you're offering, know your measurements. So so all of a sudden, if I'm supposed to get 50 widgets out the door, you better know, you know, first month, how many widgets you got out the door a month or a week. or And so then you have your own kind of ammo. You're not just left up to the person that collects the data. Make sure you know your data. No, exactly. That, that goes back to having clear objectives, which is another really fundamental aspect of management where it's really critical to know, from an employee standpoint, know what you're striving for, and from a management standpoint, knowing what results are expected. So, yeah, objectives are a key piece of that management equation. That's a big deal. Um, before we take our first break, I want to know, does this is this different when it's your boss? I mean, it's, we were just joking earlier on the show. We had our boss come in and Anyway, it was all tense. But um, we, is it different when your boss is the one that you have the conflict with? I mean, this is the person that can fire you. And it's it just seems like a lot of people, like you were saying, might just withdraw and not – they just might roll over. Uh, well, I mean, it's a little bit different, but I think the same fundamental rules apply. It's really all about communication, open communication, airing what's on your mind, and if you don't talk about these things, uh, you'll never get them resolved. Now, with your boss, you need a certain degree, naturally, of, of political correctness, if you yeah. will, or, or being smart about things, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't address them. And they need to improve, too. Absolutely. And they need the feedback. So a lot of and, this is about the feedback loop, isn't it? Getting sure. feedback back into the system. Yep, no, absolutely. And, and the same rules really apply to anyone. They're all, they're all humans, whether they're a CEO or a, or a person on the floor. The same kind of communication should be expected. I love it. That's great. We're talking to Victor Lippman. Uh, Victor has been in management for Fortune 500 companies for about 25 years. He writes regularly about management for Forbes and Psychology Today. We're going to take a break, come back, learn more about conflict resolution with Victor Lippman. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. It may be time to replace your lava lamp with an algae lamp that cleans the air of CO2. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. A French biochemist named Pierre Calea is promoting a new design for an indoor-outdoor lamp that not only lights up, but absorbs more CO2 from the air than a living tree. His lamp concept is a tall cylinder of glass filled with water and tinted a bright green from the live algae floating inside. An inner glass core runs up the center of the device, holding LED light bulbs. A solar cell and battery system in the base stores power and lights the lamp's LEDs at night. The light from these LEDs, as well as sunlight by day, gives the algae the energy it needs to consume carbon dioxide from the air and give off oxygen. Kalea claims the amount of CO2 removed from the air in one year by the green lamp is equal to about one ton or all the CO2 bound up in a tree over its entire lifespan. In the future, it may be possible to tap the algal cells themselves for the lamp's electricity, thus closing the loop to make a self-contained device. Sounds like a bright idea. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. 
and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Whether it's the big picture or the minute details, Marcus Smith loves to discuss anything and everything about the world around us. We're always talking about the big picture. The big picture is good to see. But I suspect that where we are lacking is in our capacity and our appetite to think about the smallest things. Start your day off with Marcus Smith on The Morning Show, weekdays at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. Today we are talking about conflict management at work. I mean, the reality is we're going to run into problems, and uh, we need to know what to do when we run into the problems. So we've asked Victor Lippman to join us. Victor uh, you know, has been working in Fortune 500 companies for 25 years. He's been a manager in those companies. He also writes regularly about management on Forbes and Psychology Today. Um, and he's the president of the Howling Wolf Management Training, which offers management training and executive coaching inside of corporate America. We welcome you back, Victor. Thanks so much for joining us again. My pleasure. Thank you, Matt. You bet. Now, in corporate America, there's this big, you know, it's called the Pareto Rule, P-A-R-E-T-O, the 80-20 Rule. And uh, you kind of have a philosophy about the 80-20 Rule, I guess, when it comes to conflict. Yeah, it's, it's my own uh, my own ver- variant of the 80-20 rule. But the basic 80-20 rule states, of course, that in general, 80% of your business often comes from 20% of your customers. One thing that I noticed over the years in management was the, the 80-20 rule was that um, 80% of my time was spent on 20% of my employees. Yeah, And it didn't seem to matter too much where I was manager or what the situation was but that a small number of employees took a large amount of time. And that was, that was just, just the way it was. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's it, isn't it? And 80% of your conflict with those employees were based on probably 20% of the issues of life. I mean, you yeah. know, it's, that 80-20 rule is a great rule because it, it really does. It, it, it holds out. And then they take a lot of your time. They take your energy. They take your resources. And, and the irony is, in my experience, certainly, was that this 80% of time on, on 20% of the employees, these employees were not generally poor performers no. at all. They were time intensive, but they were often some of my most talented, uh, intelligent, and valuable employees who, for a variety of reasons, whether it's the creative mindset, the so-called artistic temperament, whatever it might be, just were much more demanding of time and energy to, to really get them to um, play nicely in a corporate environment and and get optimal results from them. That's fascinating. I, and I, that's, I guess, the key to management is you, you have to be able to dance with everyone. You can't just dance with the ones that are real linear, you know, kind of numbers oriented. You've got to be able to take the, the creative types, the verbal types, maybe the nonverbals. You got to get them all in there. Absolutely, and it is often sometimes some of the most creative and out there mindsets. I came from a financial services background, and whether they were 
whether they were actuaries <clears throat> or creative directors at ad agencies I was working with, or what you might find them in in different types of jobs, but they could be um, very difficult to work with. But if you were able to work effectively with them, you could get great results, and they could really be difference makers. Oh, sure, worth the energy. And, and it's really fascinating because they you get you get somebody that's so unique, so different to the team. Um, there was a quote by oh, what was his name? Oh, Chainsaw Al Dunlop. Remember him? Sure, sure. He was the big. Uh, he'd go in and cut back and do all of the the downsizing. He'd, they'd go in and buy companies and cut them up and right, but, right but he, sizing before it was called right sizing. That's right. Do you remember? He had a quote that said, um, "If everyone's telling me the same thing, I only need one of you." <laughs> yeah. Which is scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah. No, but, there and and. Organizations can be tough that way in that they don't necessarily um, encourage uh, in individual thinking and creative thinking. There's a way of, of working toward the gray middle. But I think it's oftentimes the people who really are the, the visionary type of thinkers who can be tremendously valuable to yeah. the organization. And, and then they just stretch everyone else's. Just like if you threw a really kind of linear – uh, analytical thinker in the midst of a bunch of creative people, that person, they would stretch all the creative types. Yep. Yeah. And, and again, what are the implications for management? The Really, the main thing that I always tried to remember, and this is actually something that one of my employees who was a little upset with me at one point had, had said to me early in my career. She said, you know, when you're working with creative people, tell them what you want done. Don't tell them how to do it. Yeah. They've got to do it their way, don't they? Yeah. And and that's totally true. If you try to micromanage them, if you try to impose your own solution, you may get a solution, uh, but it probably won't be nearly as good as the one that they would get to uh, on their own. What what you need to give them is clear direction. You need to tell them where you want to go, what are the parameters of the assignment. Mm -hmm. And within that, they've got to – they'll find a better way than – than you could give them nine, nine times out of ten for sure. And I'm assuming the opposite is true. If you're dealing with a um, kind of an analytical person, you you might want to tell them kind of more of the end goal as well as some other, you know, kind of linear steps for how you're thinking of doing it. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's true. I mean, as we talked about earlier, you management, is, uh, the best managers are – very individual, intuitive. Yeah. They deal with people on an individual basis. And, uh, yeah, you have to know what's right for the, for the given person. It's, uh, it really is an art form, isn't it? Management is not something you just – a lot of times we just hire the managers. Actually, we promote the managers because you've been a really good sales guy. You obviously would be a good manager, but that's not always the case. Not, not at all. It, it really is a, a different skill set involving more intuitive judgments, communication skills, ability to, to deal with people, ability to handle conflict. Uh, a really a different, uh, might be a totally different skill set than the technical job the individual was doing. Right. So if somebody's out there and they know they have a tendency to be either the fighter that's kind of the aggressive, let's go fix this thing right now, or the flighter, the, uh, I don't want to be here. I'm going to avoid this issue. What? Okay, one rule you said is stay calm, kind of maintain the moral high ground, don't lose yourself. 
Anything else that you think is core to keep them from becoming a fighter or a flighter in the conflict? I, I think you mean from a management standpoint. Yeah, I think you really need both of those elements in there. I think anyone who is too much of a fighter just comes on too strong all the time, or is a, a flighter just avoids conflict. Neither one of those will succeed over the long run. I think you need a blending of those kind of skills. Yeah. I think that's that's kind of the key to it as, as much as everything, as much as anything, which is why it's, you know, as a, my HR friends used to tell me, good managers are hard to find. <laughs> it's not, they don't grow on trees because they, it has a rather diverse skill set behind it. Yeah, we, we make that assumption that everyone's kind of like us, that, but we have to, as a manager, be open to the idea that everyone's different nothing's going to work for everyone. It's the same thing I see as a parent. All of my children are coming at life a completely different way. Uh, absolutely. People are motivated by totally different things. Some people may be very money motivated. Other people may be motivated by the relationships they have at work, the recognition they get, the size of the office they have. Who knows? The title it's a, or, or just the emotional environment they, they work in, being appreciated and recognized. And you've got, as a, as a manager, one of your jobs is to understand intuitively the motivations of your employees so you can figure out what makes them tick, what motivates them, and how you can get the best results from them. I think that's so great. And motivation, too, is it's hard to make up. If you haven't spent the years, you know, building the accounts, you know, with the people you're working with, you can't just expect to draw on them because you're the manager. Right. I mean, no, absolutely. It, it is a it's a relationship kind of thing. There's an old saying out there: people leave managers, not companies. Yeah. That tends to be the most important factor in employee engagement and employees' commitment to an organization is their relationship with their direct manager, and it can have an enormous impact on their uh, on their attitude, on their productivity, on their overall motivation. That's great. Now, Victor, is the, as, uh, as we wrap it up, is there a place where they can go find you directly? Do they just need to Google you? Do you have a website? Um, sure. They can easily Google me, Victor Lippman um, Forbes or Victor Lippman Psychology Today. That'll take you to both of my sites at those magazines. Or if they, go to, if they Google Howling Wolf Management Training, um, they can get to my website there as well. Powerful stuff. And when you get there, there's just dozens of articles there ready for you. Just set up perfectly by Victor. Victor, thanks again for joining us. My pleasure, Matt. Thank you for having me. You bet. Uh, Victor Lippman, and appreciate him. Uh, management you know, expert and uh, writer, author on Forbes and Psychology Today. Two great uh, blogs to go check out. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to come back. I'm going to walk you through four steps, four keys to handling your own uh, conflict one-on-one with the people in your life. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. Isn't it time for a little good on your Twitter feed? Follow us at BYU Radio to stay connected with BYU Radio hosts, to keep updated about your favorite shows, and to stay current on Cougar sports. Just follow BYU Radio on Twitter and keep talking about good.
And thanks for listening to us here at BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. After seeking asylum in over 21 nations, NSA leaker Edward Snowden remains in a Moscow airport. So far, only Venezuela and Bolivia have responded favorably to Snowden's requests. U.S. and Russian leaders are expected to discuss Snowden later this week. Investigators began an official effort to explain exactly what happened to the 19 members of a hotshot fire team who died over the weekend. Experts think the men may not have left themselves a proper escape route. Despite the tragedy... Firefighters are now anxiously awaiting a break in the weather to gain the upper hand against the Arizona fire, which continues to burn. As of last night, the blaze had consumed 8,400 acres and was 0% contained. George Zimmerman's injuries were medically insignificant, according to a Florida medical examiner who testified at Zimmerman's murder trial today. The former Neighborhood Watch captain says he feared for his life before he shot and killed teen Trayvon Martin. Cities around the nation are planning to have beefed-up security at Independence Day celebrations, which will likely be some of the largest public gatherings in the nation since the Boston Marathon bombing. In world news, Egypt's military leaders are planning for a post-Mohamed Morsi government as the 48-hour deadline given to the highly criticized president draws closer. However, Morsi is defending his rule, saying he was elected freely and by popular will. The late Pope John Paul II will likely be remembered as St. John Paul II by the end of the year after Catholic cardinals and bishops agreed to attribute a 2011 healing of a Costa Rican woman to the late leader. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about conflict. Have you ever had one? Have you ever had a conflict with somebody? I mean, I know it's hard to think about. Maybe it was your mother-in-law, your friend, your boss. Have you ever had one at work and you thought you were going to lose your job because of it? I want to teach you uh, something that I call real understanding, okay? Real results. I've been teaching this for, I don't know, 10 years about how you get real with another person. Usually when somebody has a conflict with you, a lot of times what we do is we're not real. And you're like, is something wrong? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're like, no, I can tell something's wrong. No, whatever. What, I mean, I hate you, but whatever. And we, um, But we don't want to get real with it. So if you are sitting there and you know somebody has conflict with you at work, I guess you could call them out. Hey, what's your deal? You mad at me or something? Um, let me give you some new ways to do this. Okay, I call it real because it's an acronym that's, that's four steps. And um, our goal when we have a conflict with another person, my goal is not to fix you. My goal is not to make you do something you don't want to do per se. My goal is not to win. If I have a goal to win with you and we're going to have a discussion, then everyone in the world is going to know that we're having an argument to win. We're not having a discussion. And so how do we get real with somebody? First key, okay, R of the get real model stands for recognize their emotion. If somebody's angry, you're going to know it. If somebody's frustrated, you're going to know it because they're going to show you. Their eyes are going to, they're going to kind of, yeah, they're going to narrow, like, right, Skyboy just did it. Oh, I wish you could see it. You seem angry with me. Are you mad, Skyboy? I was just providing an example for Very good. everyone you, in the room. What would you call what you just did to your eyes? Uh, you... 
What's that called when you like intensify, you squint? Squint. You did a little uh, Clint Eastwood on me. Yeah. Go ahead. Make my day. (laughs) Do you feel lucky? Do you feel lucky? But so when you see someone's angry, uh, you can see it in them, can't you? You can see they're angry. You can see they're they're holding back. They're withdrawn from you. Maybe they're not talking. Maybe they're not saying something. So the rule is recognize the emotion. You heard Victor earlier talk about the fact that um, we don't want to get engaged in the emotion. And what a lot of us do is instead of recognizing someone's frustrated, we end up kind of either ignoring it or we react to it. And we might react to it by throwing, are you mad? And we throw out our own emotion to their frustration. The minute you do that, it's game on. So we recognize the emotion. And I actually suggest, and be careful with this at work, but if your boss seems angry with you, I might go say something like, what do you think you should say? What do you guys think you should say? If it, let's say, let's give you some data. They came in, they normally say, good morning, they're all nice, and nothing. They uh, go to a meeting, you say, hey, they're like, they didn't answer you. They walk by you without answering you. And throughout the day, they're just kind of cold to you. They're, something's wrong, right? Do you all see it? What would Honestly, you say, I, would, I would probably just go in and say, hey, is everything okay? That's great. Just say something like that. That's great. Yeah. Now, what would be the sign that something's not? All that stuff I showed you, right? Those are all the signs that something's not okay. Now, what, check your gut on this. What if I say, what's your deal? <laughs> Did you guys feel that? <laughs> Can anyone predict how that'll go? Not well. What, what do you mean, what's my deal? What's your problem? I don't have a problem. What's your problem? Here Just we running go. around in circles. Our game on. Yeah. When we recognize someone has an emotion, here's the coolest thing. Um, From birth, we're wired to understand other people's facial expressions. So from birth, it's like the universal language. You can tell. Have you ever watched a baby whose mom was crying and then the baby started crying? That's messed up. A lot of you guys are like, I've never seen a mom or a baby, but I can believe that would happen. But like someday when you have kids, you're going to see like if mom cries and she's holding the baby, the baby will notice it and then the baby baby would cry or younger kids would cry. It's because we're wired to pick up people's emotions. If I see someone's angry, all I suggest you do, you don't even need to ask a question. I'd be really careful asking questions to someone that might be angry or somebody that hates you. Because if you ask a lot of questions to somebody that's already mad at you, you might create some other problems. But what I might say is I might pick up you seem angry. You seem a little distant. So I might go in to my boss and I might say, Don, <laughs> Don, you seem distant. You seem a little different today. You seem a little withdrawn. It's hard imagining this situation with, with Don. Don. <laughs> I know, because Don, Don's never been distant or withdrawn. But if all of a sudden you tell somebody, it's easier maybe with your wife or your girlfriend or somebody that's really close to you. If they're upset, you don't just say, are you upset? You could. But I would suggest you say, honey, I'd state it. You seem upset. Recognize the emotion. But in my experience, that always gets the response of, no, I'm not. Okay, no, right. right. Which, is, which is a code for, yes, I am. No, totally. No, by the way, so why are they not telling you? Why are they not being real? See, there's a reason they're not opening up. So if you already have the data, they've ignored you, they've yelled at you, they didn't do this, they didn't do this, they didn't do this, all this other data. If I recognize that you seem distant, and they're like, I'm not distant. Then what I would do is I'd probably share my data. Well, you were you, this has all happened, and then you've been really quiet today. When we normally talk at lunch, and we were supposed to go to lunch today, you just seem like you're distant. 
Do you want to talk about it? So that's so the R is to recognize the emotion. The E of get real is to explore their story. Behind every emotion anybody has, there's a story, right? And if we listen to the story, you're going to allow them to kind of vent out the emotion. So if I was a boss and I saw somebody come in, if I'm a truck driver and I deliver my load to the company and they're mad and the guy's being a jerk, I might recognize, dude, you seem frustrated with me. What's up? And let them explain it. Behind it, there's a story. You know you're an hour late. You know when you're an hour late, I have to stay an hour late. And when I stay an hour late, I don't go home to my kids. So I'm not seeing my kids because you're here an hour late. Now, well, my bad. My bad. (laughs) Tell your kids sorry. (laughs) But now watch. If I explore his story and I let him tell it, notice what it does. It gives me data. It's now giving me information that I can deal with. And it also is doing something really powerful. It's lowering this guy's emotion. I'm actually helping him lower his emotion because I'm recognizing it. I'm not judging it. Are you mad? Um, I'm just recognizing it. But hey, but you seem really frustrated with me. What's going on? Now, what if in the back of my head, I'm not late. I'm actually an hour early because my times are all messed up. We could actually have a fight that I could say, I'm not late. You are too. And we get in the big fight about it. Or we could just ignore each other and I could call him a jerk and he can call me a jerk. In the end, if I recognize someone's emotion, behind the emotion, there will always be a story. And what I found in our relationships, if we could let our partner tell the story, if I could let my employees tell their story, um, it's pretty powerful because they get to get their story out. Now, by the way, do I have to agree with their story? Do I have to believe their story? Do I have to take their story? No. If I'm the manager, I don't have to believe it. But I can't help it and I can't fix anything or change anything if I don't understand it. So I'm going to let them recognize the emotion. You seem upset. Explore their story behind it. What's going on? Then I'm going to attend. The A of get real means I'm going to attend to what the real issue is. And you've heard me on the show teach about starved, but I teach that there's seven needs that I think are the triggers of most people's problems, okay? If we don't feel safe, I'm going to fight you. By the way, safety is physical, social, emotional, financial. If I don't feel physically safe with you... For example, a a person comes into your office and they're mad because you didn't shovel your snow on your sidewalk, which is a really hard example to give in the middle of this horrible heat fest. But if you can come in and be mad about my walks all you want and the ice and slipping and falling, I'll bet you bucks the problem's not the ice. I bet you the problem is he just turfed it in the parking lot and now he's not physically safe working at your company. Or somebody that comes in that didn't get a promotion, they're fighting with you about the promotion they didn't get, and I'll bet the real issue is a safety issue. So if I can recognize it, hey, bud, you seem upset about the new hire or the new promotion thing we did. Tell me what you're feeling. Explore their story. As they tell the story, you know, I've been here 14 years. You gave Jimmy the promotion. By the way, he has no clue why Jimmy got the promotion. I do. So should I just shut him down and tell him, hey, shut your caker. Jimmy gets the promotion. Deal with it. Or do I listen to his story, hear his story, attend to it? So it sounds like what you're frustrated about is you feel unsafe because none of us have got your back here. Is that what this is about? And he'll tell you more. It's not even just this. I bet he has four more stories. So we listen to it. It's either a safety issue, a trust issue, an appreciation issue. They don't feel appreciated because you didn't get the promotion. A respect issue. You don't respect me because you only take – like Don never takes me to dinner. (laughs) Just kidding, Don. Um, (laughs) Everyone's like, hey, we never go to dinner. Uh, so it's a safety, trust, appreciation, respect, validation. We don't know how to validate each other's concerns. We feel discouraged or we don't feel like someone's dedicated to us. Those are the triggers I found that make people mad. 
We recognize the emotion, we explore it, and we attend the trigger. What's the real issue behind it? Behind the story as they tell it, you'll hear if it's a safety issue. You'll hear if it's a trust issue. You'll hear if it's a resp- an appreciation or a respect. And you just listen and you let them talk. You let them talk. And as they talk, what happens normally is we lower the emotion. And when we lower the emotion, um, it increases my understanding. I can get their story. I get their jargon. I get what they're talking about. I get their concerns. Then the L of get real is I'm going to lift the conversation. I'm going to find a way to take what they've said and not negate it. But I'm going to try and uh, Victor brought up the issue of the 80-20 rule. I believe 80% of what they're saying I could probably agree with. If I listen hard enough, I will find 80% of what they say I agree with. I agree I gave the promotion to the other guy. I agree he's been here 14 – you've been here 14 years and he's been here seven. I admit that we didn't bring you in and ask you about this one. I can even apologize, and I apologize. Honestly, you're probably right. Because of your tenure here, we probably should have brought you in and and talked to you about it. And that was wrong of us, and I'm sorry I didn't. I can find 80% of what any – and I do this every day at work down in my coaching. I I sit with couples that fight about the dumbest things you've ever seen, and most of them have 80% agreement. So when I say, do you not believe that we shouldn't spank our children this way? Yeah, totally agree. Do you not agree that we should still have discipline that works and be consistent? Totally. And when we take their biggest fights, 80% agreement. Here's the dilemma. But what if in the back of my head, I still have other information that this guy didn't even have? That's where he needs to know. He needs to find out. And so here's my rule. We look for the – we use an and instead of a but. And it sounds weird. But when I say, I agree, I admit I didn't, I appreciate, I apologize, but you got to know, Larry. And then I tell my side – I've just tricked your little brain to ignore everything I've said. Ignore everything I said before that and just come back. And all I want you to do is um, believe everything after the but. But so-and-so is more qualified because he has so much schooling and has done this and has had this and has done this. And his father is the owner of the company. (laughs) And his father personally told me we should hire him. So here's the rule. If we use an and, I can agree, I can admit, I can apologize, I can accept it. And let me tell you more information you don't know. doesn't make it right or wrong. It just makes it more data you need to know. And his father told me I have to give him the job. And I'm sorry. And if you have a conflict, go talk to the dad or go talk to the father. Or and – here's another one. And did you know that this person has seven years specifically dealing with this new field that we were hiring for? And you don't have seven years. You have 14 years in this company and no experience in this area. And this person has six months in the company and seven years experience. He may not know that. And it doesn't mean you're not a great guy because we think you're incredible. And on another promotion that fits, I'm totally willing to put you there. And next time I need to make sure I involve you more and let you know what's going on because I dropped the ball there. And he's going to keep the job. And I'd love your support and love your help. And give me a hug right now. See how that works? That's how we lift the conversation. Lifting means I don't have to go exact. I don't have to always argue with you on the conflict. On the conflict, I can take what you've got, show where we're together, build onto yours, and I can ch- I can still give you my opinion. That's called being real. Finally, we're being real instead of fighting about something so silly. <sighs> real communication begets real results. Real results is now I have a guy that has more of a full story. By the way, he can still freak out, can he? And if he freaks out and doesn't like my answer, what should I say? 
I'd get real again. So it sounds like you're really still frustrated because of this guy's experience and how we made the decision. And he'll vent. Let him vent. Explore his story. Attend to where he's starving. And then lift the conversation. Agree where I can. Admit what I can. Apologize what I can't on. And, uh, and then tell my side. And then what do I do? I watch how he responds. Almost always when we do this, we'll see the emotion go down. There's some people, though, that in the end, it doesn't matter what you say. They're not going to be happy. But I would probably do two or three or four rounds with the guy before I give up on him. And if it's going on too long, I'll say, and you know what, Larry? I got to get back to work. And I really don't want to. And I just noticed that it almost doesn't matter what I say, why I hired him. You're ticked. And I get that. And we need to get back to work. Notice and, 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 and. Isn't it fun, kids? Real communication, real results. And one of the keys I, f- I found about that is if you can get a f- be effective at recognizing people's emotions, exploring stories, attending to them, they trust you. Then what you say has more power. Most of the time we react to people's emotions. We explore our own story. We attend to our own pain. We don't even listen to them. And we tend to lower the conversation by throwing out barbs. That's not real. That's real messed up. We don't need it. There's some tools for you, folks. Um, Real communication, real results. That's the idea. If you want more information on that, I will post that. I'll post a little blog on that at matttownsend.com. I don't know where it'll come from, but it'll happen. Go to matttownsend.com. Look for the blog about real communication, real results. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got the Internet Asks Matt some wonderful questions about um, conflict. And we'll come back and get into those. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Today, semiconductor chips are printed or etched, but in the future, they might be grown. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Researchers at Lund University in Sweden think they might have the beginnings of a new method for making semiconductor chips. Well, making isn't perhaps the best word for it. Currently, chips are made in a photolithographic process. You lay down layers of other elements over silicon, then etch the layers with light beams to cut the circuits from the layers. There's a limit, however, to the traditional process. To go smaller, you need a new way to do it. What they propose are chips that aren't made, but instead are grown from basic elements. Chips that self-assemble into working circuits in an imitation of organic processes. Their experiments so far involve creating the basic substructures of chips. It starts with nanoparticles of gold, suspended in a gas and baked in an oven. Elements of the gas mixture connect to the seeds of gold nanoparticles and rapidly form nanowire crystals. Their next step is finding a method to make these nanowires self-assemble into working circuits onto a base of glass or silicon or steel. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking conflict resolution. We've learned how to get real. We have... uh, We've talked. We've talked about a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, right there, Robbie. I was just uh, sneezing on bad. Using a Kleenex. 
<laughs> Using a Kleenex. Hey, today, at the very end of all the shows, today's we've got some very special um, The Internet Asks Matt. Is that what it's called? And the Internet Asks Matt Answers. Matt Answers. That sounds right. Yeah, that feels right. And but this, this one sounds like it's it's got to be fake. Do you think it's, so? It's so outrageous. But, but then again, maybe people are really like this. So. Oh, I bet they are. Woman writes, uh, she's been married for many years. Her husband works with beautiful women, tall, blonde, model types. Hmm. He refers to them as his colleagues, and he spends a lot of time out of work with his colleagues. He's a workaholic. They Wouldn't go you be? <laughs> out sometimes for a drink after work. Yeah. A po- yeah, that's like a meeting, a post-mortem. But yeah. she can't come because... The discussion with his colleagues. Oh, is she'd be strictly, bored. Strictly yeah. business. It's not even interesting. They often take corporate retreats for the weekend. <laughs> it happens every other weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but finally, she got a call the other day saying, "Sorry, I can't make it home for our, our anniversary dinner. One of my associates might be divorcing her husband, and she needs my emotional support right now." Wow. I said, well, why don't you bring your colleagues over and we can spend – have a dinner some weekend here at the house. Oh, well, my colleagues wouldn't be interested in that. Stop being so jealous. Her question is, how can I make my jealousy go away? Uh, divorce. I mean, no. Here's the deal. I'm going to bet – and I'm not a betting man – that he's having an affair you or, think? or affairs. Okay. It, what makes you so sure? It's their anniversary. And he can't come home because a co-worker's going through a divorce. That's foreshadowing. <laughs> that is the preparation of their divorce. Oh. This is self-fulfilling. He is, quite honestly, he's not into you. Okay? He's either a workaholic... Or he's having affairs. And if I'm going to bet, because I've been in corporate America quite a bit, no company goes on corporate retreats every two weeks. No company, even in the news, not even the IRS goes on corporate retreats every two weeks. <laughs> they don't do it. it do, no company can afford it. No company goes after out to dinner after uh, business for drinks every night where, we, where it's not somewhat social. I, people do it. I get it. But it's socializing. Even if you're talking business, if you're talking business and drinking, you're doing business and socializing. So it is something a wife could be invited to. I get it. At the occasional trip, maybe you can't, clients in town kind of stuff. But um, the reality is she's in denial. He's not into her. And the mere fact that – so the fact she's jealous, it's not – I mean I get jealousy too. People are jealous. This isn't jealousy. This is excessive. This is not working. This is a guy that works with really tall, blonde model types. And if you're not a really tall, blonde model type and your husband can't ever make it home on your anniversary because he's got to talk his coworker off the ledge because of a divorce. If I'm a betting man, by the way, the coworker's probably divorcing because of that dude. <laughs> so there's more to this story that we don't understand. So, again, I'm not trying to be a doomsayer. I just – hello, the writing is on the wall. So how do you fix this? I, a, I wouldn't worry about your jealousy. I'm pretty sure your jealousy is not the problem. B, I'd just tell him it's not working. 
It's not working. So we need to make a change, and we need to make a change immediately or we're done. And that's crazy strong. I'm not saying throw your marriage down the drain, but I also know if you keep giving him this much leash, he's going to eventually hang himself with it. He's the dog that you let out too far on the leash, then the next thing you know, he's wrapped up in a tree. So, and I'm not saying he's a dog, even though he totally sounds like he is. So good luck on that one. Uh, That is my advice on that little uh, bad boy. Hey, an angel just got wings. Next one comes from a guy who, you know how the recession is. Sometimes brilliant people have to take jobs that they're maybe a little overqualified for. He took a data entry job. Goal is to take documents in one pile and transcribe them electronically into another database. And depending on their accuracy rating and how many they're able to get done, there's a pot of bonus money that they all share based on their performance. The bonus pot. So he sat there at work one day and realized, you know, it would be a better use of my time. I'll just write some kind of macro (laughs) that does this for me. Smart. And then I'll come into work and I'll just clock the hours I'm supposed to be there. But the macro will do all the work. So while most people will do maybe 60 transcriptions a day, he'll do over 1,000. <laughs> His bosses are like, this guy's phenomenal. This guy's the fastest typer we've ever seen. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> With 100% accuracy. And by the way, no one's going to ask him anything because they don't want to know. <laughs> they don't want to know how he's doing it. Let's just do it. You're doing and great. And so it gives him most of the day to just kick back and surf the internet and pose questions like this. But – his moral dilemma is this pot of bonus money, when you're churning out you know, 10 to 20 times the performance of everybody else, uh, he takes home about 90% of that pot. Sure. So he's making actually really good money. But yeah. he's starting to wonder if he's kind of a scumbag because he, he comes to work every day, surfs the internet, and collects all the bonus money. No. No. Not a scumbag. That's Skyboy. <laughs> We don't think Skyboy's a scumbag. He comes to work, he sits back, and he collects all the bonus money. As he's actually literally playing a game on his I phone know, right now. I know. That's what I'm saying now. <laughs> so the rest of us are working, sweating oh, just here. know how to work the system. You know how to work the yeah. system. I actually, okay, that is innovation. This is a guy, I don't know how many employees there are. Did they mention it? Um, it's, it's a reasonably large let's just say, bank of employees. Let's yeah. say there's 50 yeah. So this one man is doing the work of 50? Or at least 20. Or let's say 20, but let's say if he put a little more money behind it, he could actually rewrite the entire department out of a job. Now, And that may be part of why he's concerned if he goes to a boss, yeah. he'll get laid off with all of them. You know? Well, he might, except for the fact that he wrote the code. Yeah, but now they have the code. Because he did it he on did, company he, time. Oh, he did nothing to protect his intellectual property. Right. Hence, it's the property of the company. But interestingly, his problem is, am I a scumbag with everyone else because I'm collecting all of the money? At this rate, he's going to be – he is going to be the replacement scab is what they'll call him. The guy that's going to take all of their jobs anyway. But that's innovation. I don't know. Should we sandbag it, I guess, and then – leave those jobs to everyone else. Well, he could just keep do. collecting the good money, putting his feet up, surfing the internet every day. Yeah. Or do you risk it hoping to kind of climb the ladder, but there's a chance the bosses may go, oh, cool code. Thanks, man. Here's a box. Maybe. See you guys. Well, and by the way, like they're not going to do that either way, right? So here's my, there's a great quote that says, independence, no, superior performance fosters independence of action. 
So the better performer you are, the more independence you have. This guy is kind of the epitome of that. He's, he's written code, he's figured it out, and he's now highly independent and free. Now, here's the bigger point, I think, though. Somehow his conscience is bothering him. So I'd go to the conscience side of this. Um, I'm not sure morally it's wrong. I think I might go be more real with my bosses. But I think in his code it's wrong because he feels weird. He feels guilty. And if he feels guilty, then I might – maybe you don't have to sit there with your feet up. Maybe there's a way that he could be doing other things, writing other code or, I don't know, helping other people make money or other stuff. I mean, if he's going to be a part of the system and he's afraid he's robbing from them, I guess you could just let them get their bonus money. But how do you turn down a system that's already producing 5X, 10X? And then is that good for your company as well? I personally, if he was working for me, I would love the dude. Now, by the way, talk about conflict. That's about 30 people that are following you every day to lunch and want to kill you and wring your neck. <laughs> but the bigger thing for this guy, I think, is check your heart. There's something else your heart is telling you about if this is wrong or right. I would follow more what your heart is saying. Um, I think, you know, the economy would say you're just innovating. Um, and maybe that also means your company needs to get a better clue of how great you are. So uh, that's it. Another angel got its wings and apparently is short-circuiting the entire system and taking money away from the other people. Rude angel. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We will be back tomorrow. More great tools and ideas trying to give you a leg up in life and create better relationships and uh, a little more integrity as we go about it. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.